Hey you this is Ramya Rednam welcome to the activated this is my first episode of the podcast with Johan Tengra part 1 where Johan shines the light on his story political ideology and why on taxation is theft and government is slavery Johan can you tell us uh, about your story like who is you it's an interesting story man when i look back at it now Yeah, you know, just the seven years of pure uh, roller coaster rides, madness, uh, ups and downs, crazy stuff. I mean, uh, probably write a book sometime when I reach fifty or sixty or something because it will make for an interesting story. You should do it. I mean, if you look back, yeah. Now it just feels so vindicating, uh, and I feel so grateful to have started this whole journey so many years back, right. and that uh, means it's because we're seeing it. pay off now plus we're seeing a lot of things that uh, thought to be whack crazy many years back are just uh, coming true as time passes you know so more and more people are starting to take notice there's more credibility times are getting more difficult but as times are getting difficult people are also getting more say aware and street smart about things so my my journey starts somewhere in college and uh, right. it's it's a typical story of how people wake up though this is what okay. i tell people usually either like waking up is a process that is either triggered through pain or triggered through a process where people figure out that they've been lied to so my story is actually a very interesting one i look back at it and this right. is what i always tell people as to how awakening tends to start yeah it, it typically tends to start through some kind of pain or it tends to start through uh, people figuring out this because that Ten, that tends to the lie a lot right. when they figure out the lie and the scale of the lie and the number of lies right it's all correct it all kind of comes together once you start looking into one thing and then it leads to the other and you understand how like everything in the universe is connected and uh, okay. even from the conspiracy side of things how the controllers have infiltrated almost every area of life which is why the research tends to be so exhausting and interconnected correct. so uh, this this story of mine starts in college where i was a young guy You know, just just living life typical the typical stuff you all grew up with no ramya like mm-hmm. your parents must have told you that no if, even my mom asked me what do you like i'm like i don't i, I didn't have an inner calling of what i like i just figured you know i'm i'm good at math yeah and i get i get good grade at math and it's not something i was always good at actually like till 6th or 7th grade i sucked at math but then i got a good tutor and i practice a lot Yeah, it was all about practice. So I became it damn did. good at it. I remember yeah. I like entered some school and I scored eighty on eighty like the first semester itself with math, which yeah. I'd never done before. So uh, I just told my mom I'm good at math. She's like, yeah, why don't you pursue finance and why don't you like uh, be in finance and all that? I was like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. I don't know what else to do. You know, it's like everyone's just going for the next yeah. thing, right? So correct. Got into college. The finest, like the finest interest you have in the in a single thing, the society tells you to follow that. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's just a rut that people kind of autonomously are on some kind of a treadmill, you know, and yeah. they just walk, but they don't know where they're going. Where they're going? It's a, it's a weird thing now that I look at how unconsciously the entire education system is driven as well, and yeah, you know, it's it's more about uh, peer pressure and what people have programmed you to think rather than people actually pursuing what they want. Because that's what I figured out when I got out of that whole mindset. Right. I could I could understand what I actually want when I started my own exploration. Until right. that time, I was just living some personality that was molded into me since childhood through uh, the mainstream programming and my parents' conditioning. Like, hmm. Yeah, so much, so much conditioning that we do not know what we actually wanted to choose, and we're just choosing yeah. some random things, and we're going ahead with it. And it's very startling. It's it's like. You know, even when we talk about the awakening, we kind yeah. of wonder, okay, why why do so many people still not get it? And we yeah. just have to reflect back on ourselves a couple of years back and think, okay, what state were we in? I remember yeah. Johan, like probably eleventh uh, standard. You know, just passed out of school, going into college. And if you, if like you now came and told the Johan back then that this is going on, he would have been too busy to care. You know, he'd probably yeah. be too uh, snuck up his. Uh, Parties, trying to think about his career, his grades, whatever it is, man, social yeah. life, all of that, to even care about this. So right. it 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 helps to have some say empathy also when trying trying to approach people to tell them because everyone's kind of stuck in their own bubbles and you don't know that you're living in a bubble until it pops. That's when right. you figure out like you've actually been living in one. So, so 
very painful actually it trigger i got triggered through a breakup so right. the the same conventional thinking and let's say the you know education and career side of things also seeped into the relationship side of things na mm-hmm. because i mean even just uh, discussing relationships like it's because i went to a relationship which was very mm-hmm. traditional and very mm-hmm. mainstream like this house back in college usual people yeah back in college probably the mm-hmm. first serious relationship i ever had Right. and uh, that first thing also helped me have a awakening to the relation side of side of things like how what do you want uh, relationships are supposed to be That's and what love is yeah and just you know cuz it, it's it's a classic thing like i was living in a bubble in my relationship space as well as in my career space and my world view and yeah. both of them it's actually the relationship breaking up was a big wake up call because it is also a misconstruction of love on my part like the way i was doing the relationship was uh, perceiving love as some kind of attachment thing where you get a kick and some kind of uh, happiness out of doing things for others because you expect something that they'll do back for you in return and you're constantly yeah. looking forward to that more like a bar yeah and every time they don't do something you get put down yeah expectations upset or whatever <laughs> yeah so it is a typical thing where i wanted yeah. to settle down and have a career and get married and have yeah. kids and all <laughs> and that's i mean i didn't know an alternative no it's like you're just surrounded by the same ecosystem of people who think the same way and parents have always thought a certain way and also you don't have much exposure until something pushes you to look outside of that and that's exactly yeah. what happened in my breakup which is what uh, made yeah. a big void i mean if i look back at it now i had got so attached to that girl that yeah. thankfully i mean it's kind of a blessing in disguise i always <laughs> think look back and think of uh, times of despair that have taken place in my life where i've been through difficult situations and in the moment it seems like everything's over and there's no point in living for her and everything's absolute mess and we all have been there at some point we have all we've all been there absolutely especially this whole last two years have uh, put people through hell in many different ways ways and places so it's just a i mean when i look back at my personal story and when i look back at what the world is facing right now also yeah uh, pain and difficulty are always triggers to to grow and to get to something better right so right. the reason that I had to go through pain and I can look back at it now and think okay it's because yeah. of that pain like I you can go either way from pain right you can yeah. go down a path of addiction and yeah. abuse and uh, just getting sucked into the, the, the things so bad you start and, and yeah, some people yeah. some people even start uh, transmitting that trauma to others like some people experience pain and then they land up becoming murderers or they just land up becoming toxic people in the yeah. so thankfully I didn't go that route and I came out the other like that whole incident made me very strong and it right. actually made me start looking deeper as well so i mean this is this wouldn't have happened if it was just another breakup and i got on it was easy to deal with but it because did. it was such a like hard thing to deal with at that time that it actually right. started thinking more about spiritual matters and more about life after death and i don't even right. know why i mean when you think about it a breakup and all those things it kind of doesn't make sense but right. i again as i said the pain was so deep that it start me Uh, to make me like look deeper kind of like your foundations right yeah yeah it, that that's what kicked in and then you started like questioning everything and that's true because everything yeah. was based around that girl that social yeah. circle even with parents she's very close so that i mean the whole life was constructed around her right so that yeah. fell off and like automatically it kind of created identity crisis also in some way Mm-hmm. that who am i and where is this whole thing going or whatever so that thankfully my mom was uh, inclined a little spiritually right. so she started recommending me books like i used to be upset at home just okay. kind of uh, you know not not in such a good space so she would look at me and she be like okay beta like you know you need mm-hmm. to come out of this like maybe is reading some of this material will help you to cope and uh, to get your mindset better so she started recommending me some books i checked one mm-hmm. of them out it is called laws of the spirit world read that and it gave me a really good perspective on a lot of spiritual matters so that's actually where my journey started it wasn't down the conspiracy rabbit hole but it was down the spiritual rabbit hole spiritual actually rabbit hole. wow yeah and uh, my, this is like, something i think nobody knows about you uh, yeah it's something i don't discuss as yeah. much detail but since i mean you're a friend yeah. podcast so it's easier to share with no i always thought like i think you would uh, the kind of knowledge that you come with right like i thought like you would always be like a research oriented person in some way you saw something and you wanted to like you read something and you connected and then just went that of course i think that's the later version that we are looking at 
but uh, you questioning yourself and uh, you know your presence and your purpose and uh, the entire spiritual journey has started and then that's what has actually uh, you know made you do these things and we'll also be discussing what those things are um which is uh, this is a very big uh, revelation uh, uh, for me because uh, that's pretty cool man like uh, i never thought uh, you would start off like this <laughs> yeah thank you so much but yeah that's that's where the whole thing landed up starting and going down the spiritual rabbit hole i kind of started to think about questions and started answering a lot of them as well the information i was coming across was quite powerful and convincing in terms of the fact that there is a life after death and right uh reincarnation is real there's a lot of evidence supporting that and all those things started making a lot of sense to me as to why people choose to incarnate the kind of karmic relationships people get into okay. i mean there's the whole meaning and purpose of life right because uh, i was still trained I, i was kind of indoctrinated in a religious setting so there was this fear of god somewhere as well but when you understand uh, the spiritual perspective uh, sort of bypassing religion as well as bypassing atheism it right. comes to a more of a holistic perspective about the fact that there is a creative force in the universe but there's also the soul free will component that you come with so right. it's not like everything is determined and destined and everything there's a objective kind of set of so i was getting to understand these concepts better at the time and uh, eventually that that whole spiritual yeah. quest just landed up into becoming a truth seeking quest because i became very interested in finding out like what is going on just i mean that that question basically right whether right. extends into the spiritual world or whether extends into the 3d world we're living in and interacting with right now i just got this obsession i don't know why it just came from inside but yeah. i just wanted to figure out what what the hell is going on I mean, yeah. just uh, you know plain and simple want to know the truth in different areas of life so yeah. thankfully some spiritual kind of uh, pages i was following like i said yeah. first uh, the thing uh, spirit science is still uh, around right now collective evolution the pages like that right. and they had like a nice long list of documentaries so i remember i used to watch a lot of spirit science videos and uh, it should talk right. about uh, sacred geometry and crystals and uh, you know all, all of this kind yeah. of stuff and then i started uh, coming across all the sp- conspiracy material because thankfully yeah. those people were actually spiritual uh rather than being pseudo spiritual i mean you can just think about it like this i see it in today's perspective a lot of people who proclaim to be spiritual and who are like thought to be spiritual gurus i'm sure yeah. exactly yeah they put up this uh, persona that spirituality is also i can i can even take yeah. names like art of living and uh, yeah. isha foundation isha foundation yeah yeah exactly so yeah. i mean i remember going for a yoga workshop also with my mom to bangalore Yeah. So I have, I have personal experience being involved with the new age community also because I my initial one year that I told you I was waking up I largely had a more of a new age perspective on things right. which is also something I refined later on once I got to know uh the fallbacks and you know the places where the new age movement gets it wrong in terms of its belief system and uh, how a lot of satanic influence also went into the creation of the new age movement is something right. I learned later on but at least to start off with it was a good base it, it gave me a nice fresh perspective compared to the one that i was indoctrinated in my childhood i got a much better perspective yeah. to look at life in terms of okay there's meaning this purpose we all come here with a certain kind of uh, thing to accomplish we have our journey that we planned before we born and i i had that kind of perspective and then with that right. i went into the conspiracy material and right. that's when my mind was totally blown right so this yeah. i mean and i'm in college but i'm watching these documentaries on economic hitmen and aliens and 9/11 <laughs> uh, i mean just yes uh, yeah, 21 societies and the, yeah. the whole new world order plot and how yeah. these how these people are satanists and they sacrifice children and all this so it is very yeah, well. hard like you get real paranoid the, the moment when i knew all of this as well like when it hit me uh mm-hmm. the two days i was like uh, like i was like so paranoid i was like how can this even happen to us like uh you know like happened yeah how did it let us happen yeah exactly yeah yeah then uh the first thing that came to my mind is i don't know if it is the population issue i think it's the mindset issue that also has been like cultivated in us that has collectively made us so weak that we are supposed to be actually very very strong uh i think it's it's the multiple scams and uh, we'll slowly get to that part Uh, intentionally society is intentionally structured in a way where people are kept busy in their like trying to make a living or they right. are kept so because uh, the culture itself has become so toxic 
ఇన్ఫర్మేషన్ TV or through the education system or through culture, media, etc. That people are kept busy in these... Is the clear depopulation agenda. So where, like, since we're talking about this, since we're on this topic, like, I, mm. uh, one of the most important one, I, it did not ever hit me that, you know, they wanted to depopulate the earth. And that, that was, like, they didn't want reproduction to happen. They didn't want people to be happy. they didn't want people to actually find a partner and mm-hmm. uh, in that cases you know there is there, there is this uh, the entire structure that they have made the netflix structure the <laughs> the social media uh, yeah. and the status thing um, you know those being really small to the big ones where they are putting vaccines into your body and uh, uh they don't you don't have any right on yourself or you don't have any basic rights as a human as well um because they are not rights to you right like uh, whatever you the privileges it becomes so the government you, says you have exactly so uh how how is it ever possible for these kind of people so since you were talking about the old depopulation thing yeah. in uh, the studying this network and these people and uh, the agenda for so long it, yeah. uh, it just becomes obvious that look these people have all the money in the world and I'll, I'll kind of maybe even describe who these people are and then it works a little bit later on Please. but uh, since they have so much money in the world it's it's like what else do you look for na if, like yeah. if ramya you want to have 10 billion usd and we can yeah. you know like thrive becomes a multi billion dollar company tomorrow and we just have so much Correct. money and we are yeah. and, but we're not nice people like we're nice people right mm-hmm. now of course we'll use that to do more good but if we were psychopaths yeah. and if we wanted to control uh, people yeah. what would we do you know uh, the the first thirst a sociopath or psychopath has is to get resourceful and to become powerful and yeah. that comes through money right because money yeah. is freedom it's like yeah. how much ever money you have it dictates what kind of influence you have in society or what you can do in yeah. society so that's what they after first and that's what even if you observe history Right. The the oligarchs of today who branched off from the European royal families. Yeah. Uh, they first they first went for the oil industry and they monopolized that. And then once they got a monopoly in oil, then they started using that money to branch off into education, into pharma, Correct. into petroleum, into the weapons industry, and all of that. And then right. started taking over those things as well to use up more money. So they've there's a whole history behind how these families actually took over oil and then they started monopolizing other sectors and it's a small clique of them the history is quite documented and the entire uh, uh, system that they have uh, uh, you know put in place the the taxation you you keep saying one thing so constantly johan you say taxation is theft and government is slavery and i absolutely agree with you on that uh, they put the system in place so that whatever they're trying to do whatever monopoly that they, that they want whatever control and guilt and fear that they want to actually have that remote control in their hands uh, to be able to manipulate and get to our heads is still in their hands yeah 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 so that that's what i was saying right they monopolize that so they could eventually like start thinking about okay what next and what next is control if you have all the money in the world then of course you have control and as you rightly said like the main source of their power and legitimacy is always the state yeah. right because if these people were this ordinary capitalists and they were subject to the market system yeah i mean you can even compare it to how thrive is functioning right now every client yeah. matters to us so much their rep, their views and uh, you know whatever testimony they give it matters to us so much in terms so of our reputation and drawing in yeah. clients and every bad experience we have is something that we'll take very seriously in right. terms of uh, putting someone off yeah. so you can think of the same way na if these people are capitalists and they've gone into the oil sector and to pay or into energy or whatever they're yeah. subject to market forces and yeah. if if they've tended to act nasty the the market would get back at them if it's a competitive system okay. but it's precisely because 
these people the same families if you study the history behind they have been behind yeah. the creation of states as well especially if you study uh, the indian context also if you see the east india company they never really left the country in uh, the 1940s they they just uh, gave us this facade of uh, independence but behind that they left this whole system of control of these uh, masonic Secret society networks and yeah, their own puppets, basically. I mean, like, uh, is is uh, it's very British. Like, uh, the our education system is also very British. They, it's taken. It's taken yeah. from different countries. If you see, even Ambedkar yeah. went to Ox, uh, you know, like Oxford, and he got in different uh, segments of the constitution from France, from Britain, from Correct. America, and all. But I think, yeah. uh, you know, speaking to your own taxation kind of thing that you spoke about also yeah uh, it, it's it's the fabric of states right yeah. because i mean once you understand uh, the golden rule which is enshrined through cultures across history i mean there's a whole history of the non aggression principle itself okay. but the reason i say why taxation is theft and government is slavery is because i i as an anarchist believe in the non aggression principle which is a golden rule that uh, ancients and sages have understood going back into history which basically just means Keep your mind to yourself. Don't steal. You own your body. Uh, whatever you come and mix your body with, it becomes yours. Like that's your property, and you're supposed to do whatever you want with your body and your property, and you leave other people's body and property alone. That's basically the golden rule. Like that's okay. what that's the compass to which we should guide our behavior. Of course, it does because it's uh, and people usually think freedom also is like do whatever you want, but that's not true. Yeah. I mean, uh, freedom is the ability to do what you want as long as you're not like taking away anyone else's freedom. Because if you had the freedom to do whatever you want, then it just means freedom for you. It doesn't mean freedom for everyone. But we want freedom for everyone. So if you want freedom for everyone, it means people can just do whatever they want with their own body and property as as soon as they initiate force or trespass on someone else's property or damage it in some way or steal something that's not theirs they start to infringe on someone else's freedom and then immediately everyone doesn't have freedom so as anarchists and people who believe in the non aggression principle we want freedom for everyone and that automatically comes with a sense of responsibility and this is exactly what uh, statist academics and uh, people who kind of uh, are the intellectual heavyweights of the state yeah they they misconstrue this whole thing as uh, being i mean they attack individualism a lot saying that yeah. okay if, if people just start thinking from a perspective of individual rights and the collective will suffer but it's not like that if you just think the collective mm-hmm. is an abstract thing that's used to define a bunch of individuals so if mm-hmm. individual rights are enshrined mm-hmm. then automatically everyone's individual rights are enshrined so that of takes course, care of the collective one. automatically if one person compromises you also have to compromise because that 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 you know 10 people above you have compromised and then so freedom goes you know if, if some, yeah. yeah exactly so exactly. that's that's what so yeah that's that's the whole basis behind the constitution itself which is why i am not a believer in the constitution yeah read the works of lies van der spooner rothbard and many other kind of intellectuals who pioneered yeah. the austrian school of economics and uh, i mean if from really? that perspective the constitution is just a piece of paper that no one ever consented to it's a it's thought of something to be like a social contract but no one's ever signed it there's no right. implicit consent either which is a, many status academics try to say that okay no one ever explicitly consented but there's this implicit yeah. kind of consent so a lot of lot of thinking and a lot of uh, rebuttal and debunking has been done of this the myth of the social contract uh, all of Correct. that but yeah. it's 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 this whole belief in authority yeah. and taxation is, is what the power structure and the ruling families use against us because yeah. that is their way to get a monopoly on law as well as on force right the state has a monopoly on force as well as on deciding what's right what's wrong uh, right. so they, once they have one this is yeah. all only for control of course it is they tell us like uh, it's it's kind of wrapped in this mirage that uh, without the state we won't be able to function and hmm. that's precisely what the education system is done it's it's taught right. us that if the state doesn't exist you won't get your roads you, you know yeah. anyone can just come and attack you attack you and they have priority chaos yeah borders uh, you there will be borders yeah. there won't be like national borders national. see how correct yeah yeah how libertarians and anarchists think of borders it's basically about homesteading so I was talking about property rights right so if right. if you have gone and made first use and actually transform some unused area into something that's yours then right. you get to set a border around it but i mean if you think of the state 
uh, who, who decided that India would be this country and the border is, uh, I mean, this is what India is or Pakistan is or US is or whatever. No one ever voluntarily, like all the people of the country didn't voluntarily. Voluntarily, it's just a set of people yeah. who decided this and uh, kind of like embedded into the system. Yeah, and the politicians are the rule makers, right? So yeah. if you think of it from that perspective, are we saying that uh, since these people get to make the rules for the property that's India, they own the country. That's that's yeah. basically what uh, people have given them the power to do, and that's exactly what they're doing right now. They're making rules for the entire country. So if right. in my in if in my house, if you think from a property perspective, yeah, if I'm the person who sets the rules for my house, rightly so, because it's my house, I saved up capital or I cut some trees down and made a hut or whatever. It's yeah. my property, right? So I set the rules for whoever comes in, what time someone can come, in, you know, how they're supposed to come in, they leave their shoes outside or whatever it is. It's my house. So yeah. if we are saying that politicians and people who go into the Senate or into Parliament, right. they have the right to frame rules for the entire country, then we're saying they own the country. And that's the that's the problem that we have. Like, how did you come to like claim ownership of this vast piece of land without doing any work to make it yours? Right? Yeah. So all, all you had run is some political campaigns. You got some people's it's vote. The democratic part of elections seems like such a such a deceit like you know you you are you are told to vote for somebody that you had no idea about the entire year and they suddenly appear in front of you they're branded they're reputed you see them every single where uh and then you suddenly told them to vote but you never vote for you know the entire country does not vote for its own leader the, the problem is this issue is drowned in a lot of uh, political propaganda so people yeah. can't really make i mean make out what's happening because there's so much double speak and people do, don't really understand the jargon way and all of this stuff. So if you just think of the simplest way to understand this, yeah. just imagine there's no state. Okay, mm. India is just a piece of land. Mm. And now from there, how do we justify like from no state and just people living on land and say uh, having built their own houses mm. and cooperating voluntarily to get some milk from butter or whatever you just yeah. think of a nascent kind of ecosystem. Yeah. And then just think, okay, how do we go from there to having a state? And uh, the process is simple, right? If you just think someone came up with this piece of paper called the constitution yeah. and then they uh, run some campaigns which obviously didn't have the consent of every every single person over there, right? It's okay. probably have the consent of few thousand or lakh people who got behind these campaigns. But uh, I mean, by, by and large, people were not involved in either drafting the constitution and no one even accepted it Absolutely. to begin with. So yeah. then how do how do we justify a state and these, these politicians who have the right to make rules for our lives when we've never ever got into a contract of any kind with them? It's a, sim- it's a system that was imposed on us without taking yeah. our consent, which is why I say that taxation is theft. Is because- it was branded, Johan. It was told that, uh, you know, there are these experts who have studied the political, uh, you know, socio-political economy really. They yeah, yeah. They can make this constitution for you. They have made this, follow this, your life will be brighter. Also, it came out of a system where we were transitioning from kingship and stuff, right? So, yeah. I mean, from that yeah. perspective, yeah. if you yeah. see, yeah, uh, kings kings always wanted, like they figured out the lifespan of tyranny is damn short. The ruler, <laughs> and if I wanted to rule over people for, I mean, 500 years, yeah. I would be better telling them that, Chalo, you guys are free and you put me yeah. in power and then I will slowly tax you to death. over the years and then drop you through inflation and all of that but how long Uh, right yeah yeah so exactly so the the lifespan of tyranny gets expanded once you move into democracy because it gives people the illusion that they are in charge and they are the government and all these kind of tropes that get thrown around but as a as an outright ruler my lifespan is very limited because some point people will get fed up you (laughs) will inherently want autonomy and they want a sense of freedom you can see it right now in the covid time also people are fed up of uh Wearing a mask and being Wearing told what time they can open their yeah. job, uh, yeah. business or whatever it is, yeah. but they think it's justified because they're scared. They're scared. But if, yeah, if, if there was, if there was no justification and if it was just, I'm a ruler. I'm telling you, you can get up at this time in the morning and get out of your house at this time and start your shop at this time. Yeah. If there, if there was no health justification behind it, perceived yeah. justification. I mean, there's no actual justification if you uh, see the truth behind what's happened in the last few years, but. Yeah. And also, if that was not there, people would just get fed up. Now, how long could it last? Okay. Even with even with people thinking that there's a health obligation, I should be inside and not open my business to not ha- cause harm to others. Yeah. Even then, people have got fed up. 
if of that course. wasn't there then of course like this wouldn't have lasted probably a month or two also if modi just came and said i'm deciding like you should stay inside your house and you can't do this and that mm. and uh, there's going to be a night curfew and you're supposed to and i this is gets the detail crazy, you know yohan like how many times that they come with new ways to uh, put this fear and guilt into is the detail the detail also na no? like yeah. to what extent they have told extent, us what we yeah. can do and people have got used to that's the most depressing part in the last two years but that's what i was saying if yeah. if it was supposed to be that way and uh, if kingships didn't have to transition into democracy their lifespan was damn limited and they kept figuring out because kings would come up and then with with this uh, overthrow violent overthrow and again that we are power vacuum and again that we another ruler or whatever right. and then that kind of people got I mean, uh, socio-politically also enlightened that okay, why the hell do we have this ruler? And what was their justification at the time is that they have descended right. from the gods, we have blue bloods, yeah. they've been given the divine right to rule over you. When people ask for a justification as to how a king could rule over them, they said, yeah, yeah we've been touched by God or we come oh, from okay. God's bloodline, yeah. and that has a. I mean, if you if you want to go off the deep end, that actually has a lot of uh, truth embedded in it when you study the ancient bloodlines and how how they come. from right. this not like a non-human network and all which is also why they thought of themselves to be special and not like us if you see the history behind this but uh, to transition from that kind of system then people also thought ki chalo we should have people ruling over us they got uh, tired of being enslaved outright so then that kind yeah. of had to transition into a system where people were given the illusion that okay you guys are in charge and then uh, you know politically also these people started to be trained uh, academically in In these mindsets. If you study yeah. the rise of uh, Keynesian economics, and uh, you know the the whole way the political system is set up yeah. today, and the whole Enlightenment era after the revolution that took place in France, it got on the entire democratic model. And yeah. uh, I mean, to our detriment, actually, what the founding fathers of the U.S. Constitution also didn't understand mm. is that society could work without a state. But they were smart enough to figure out that the state is a necessary evil. and that was the right that that was the right way at that time to look at the state i mean they thought ke chalo without a state we can't get these few things so it's absolutely necessary but it's also evil because uh, it is the lit- little monopolization of force and law it's yeah. a, it's a group of people that's telling you you do this or you'll have these consequences you'll either be fined or you'll be thrown behind the bars or whatever so they realize that it's a Big be- that big behemoth that could actually grow into a very big monster later on, which it did. Yeah. If you study the American Constitution, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the people who right now want reform and want the state to become smaller and want the influence of the state to become smaller in our lives, right. they they haven't learned from history because that's exactly where the American founding fathers started. In fact, the American founding fathers were hundred times smarter than any of the people who are trying to think about how to bring reform today, because they understood the importance of. uh guns of not just guns but arms in general i mean they right. they actually if you study the american founding fathers they thought that whatever weaponry the state had like people should have it because the state is a potential enemy of people if it turns against us correct so they they just saw them as equals like the state is there it's a, read, yeah we are yeah. a group of people and you know we should have the right like uh, we are always under threat of the police in case the government turns against us and orders the police to Inject something into Inge- us, or yeah. whatever it is. They just think of uh, what's happening today. Your protection, your protection is in your hands. Exactly, the law enforcement today, which was supposed to protect us, has been turned yeah. into our biggest enemy. The Correct. taxation system that is uh, supposedly built for our benefit to build things for us that would benefit us is turned into an extortion racket. Where yeah. you know, pe- people, uh, the state is just extorting money from us and building our own prison around us, right? Right. So whoa, the founding fathers really understood these things, and that's why they they use the word necessary only for the militia and for the arms. They didn't right. use the word necessary in the constitution for the courts, for the police, for the politicians, because they understood all these institutions can be corrupted. Especially because I've been involved in the legal system so deeply, I right. there's so there's so many issues with the way the current legal system is set up, and there's so much scope for improvement. And these people saw that years back. and that's why they wrote the constitution but despite writing that and yeah. giving it to the people and setting up the system in a way where individual rights are enshrined the first amendment is very strong in america free speech second amendment uh, right to assemble and all of this stuff like it was then the culture right because right. americans throughout the british like how we throughout the british out here the americans did it much quicker back in 1776 because of a 3% tax 
right that's when they got fed up and they were like screw these people and we just like right. overthrew them so there were people going around flogging cops and uh, you know uh, freeing slaves and all of this stuff that time because they got yeah. fed up of being ruled by the british so right. once that system was set up back then it took maybe 100 and also years for america to descend into a tyranny and uh, you know the the great depression came on and people yeah. saw the dangers of uh, fiat banking and all of that i mean there's a whole history right. behind how the banking system also devolved in america initially started off with the gold standard but then that also went off so right. that these things were very well understood by the founding fathers and uh, right. that that whole mindset is the difference between india and the west because the west has a very uh, say popular understanding of freedom and rights but in india because the population has see firstly the british robbed us so badly like we had a lot of wealth before the british came Good. they came in they they slew to the ancient knowledge systems they deprived us of the understanding of who we were they made us look like absolute idiots who weren't civilized until the british people came in so they totally destroyed people's sense of culture people's sense of uh, you know pride in their right. yeah, yeah. all of that and right. they made us uh, look up to them as if oh these people are great and they gave great, us all great. this modern tech and the trains <laughs> and all of that and Just then because and they say uh it's modern tech yeah yeah exactly and then because of that uh, if you fast forward to current times because yeah. they've been so impoverished by the british and then again we had an era of socialism after the british left uh, with the yeah. gandhi family and congress and they robbed us yeah. even further so yeah. we basically went from a model where I mean, if you just study the political landscape, yeah, we've we've always been so messed up, right? We first we had a system of outright ownership where the British ruled us. Then right. we had socialism, which is pathetic. If people have studied the entire socialism versus capitalism debate, like socialism right. can't work. We've seen it in many countries. It's a horrible it, it's disaster. A and, uh, it's a, it's a very yeah. very against human nature. I've seen the yeah. entire socialism versus capitalist debate play out in my own organization. where yeah. there were a bunch of people uh, who wanted things to function in a very kind of okay we all are equal and there's no hierarchy and everyone mm-hmm. is just the same yeah. and we all have equal voting rights and people just keep coming in and everyone should have a say in everything that goes on yeah. that's a that's a classic socialist kind of mindset you know that hierarchy is bad and it's bad for people to have more power more money and all everyone should kind of be equal yeah. and so i've seen that play out in my own organization where yeah. and this is a classic thing that Uh, cuts right into the root of the entire political debate. So we started Correct. out with the I mean, socialist hellhole where India was impoverished even further after the British left till the right. 1990s. Right. And then once people realized that socialism was such a bad failure that it landed up putting us so much in debt that yeah. then we had to uh, all this uh, loans we had taken from IMF and World Bank. Then they started dictating. Once they came, yeah. in, we had like a debt crisis, and then they came in and they were like, okay. You guys can't put more money in here. Yeah. We need to shift your budget around. We need to put yeah. more money into the companies that we want you to put money into. That's why the entire liberalization, privatization, globalization era started in the nineties. Yeah. And that's a that's a further mess, right? So Correct. what these what these globalists have done is they've hijacked the terminology that freedom-minded people use in terms right. of uh, privatization. Like oh, we are advocates for privatization as uh, you know freedom-loving yeah. people and liberty-oriented people. But when these people say privatization, what they want is uh, basically like this: all this property uh, was stolen from us through taxes. Like yeah. They stole the tax money from us and then built these public institutions. Yeah. So if they want to privatize that, then it should come back to us, right? Like that's right. that's what real right. privatization means. It just means that right. okay, पैसा किसने दिया उसको वापस दे दो. Or yeah. give them like just give them equal stock. And float a private limited company, and then this privatize it and give the shareholdership to the taxpayers who paid for that. You know, That's the right way to privatize, and that can be done. There's entire books written on how we can uh, get back the public property back into private hands and make sure it functions much more efficiently and much more voluntarily and all that through market forces. Right. But uh, instead of that, they portray privatization as okay. Now all these state assets. Firstly, do they make sure that the state, uh, you know, banks or the mm. oil companies and all that, they fail miserably. They make sure that they are understaffed and not taken care of. So people automatically start demanding, "Yeah, are you going to privatize it? It will go into yeah. private hands and become better and all that." And yeah. then they just sell it off to their friends, right? Who are these same globalists? If you study the entire right. work of uh, mega corporations and the Gates Foundation and the Rockefeller Foundation, all these people, yeah. they come and scoop up all this property, and the henchmen come and scoop it up. So. Yeah, especially because I've studied the Indian uh, billionaire class so well, and how they tie into the entire uh, you know oligarchical banking cartel and the globalist networks abroad. 
Mm. Uh, that's exactly what they've done, no? In the name of privatization, what they're doing is they're taking things out of state control into the control Damn of these oligarchs who yeah. again go back to the same uh, IMF, World Bank, World Economic Forum, Bilderberg, CFR kind of ecosystem, right? right? With, and they control from there. So it's it's just it, we've never really got the control of these assets that we have paid for. First, it's been in state control where supposedly this one trader who we are supposed to have chosen, but it's. It's not like that, right? It's That's not like even, that. Yeah. I even take the example right down to the basic level. Just think of if we are a group of people and uh, let's say we are living in a neighborhood, right? So right. It, it would be wrong if I, as a dictator, go out and tell tomorrow, like, the entire neighborhood, give me 20% of your money. People would think I'm some lunatic and probably shut yeah. somewhere, you know? Exactly. But then what, what if I got a bunch of people with me and then I said, okay, now I'm not a dictator, but I'm yeah. a kind of a, a, a group, a tyrannical group. That's yeah. your a gang, a gang. Yeah. That's your gang. That's here to take your money. People will yeah. still see us as crazy. Yeah. And these people just came and uh, they want to do it, whatever, for their own benefit. Let's say then I told them that, chalo, okay, since you perceive we are a gang, I'll te- we'll take your money, but we'll g- oh, donate it to charity or whatever, but we'll keep something for ourselves. We'll, 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 still- we'll, we'll make your borders, we'll make you happy, we'll protect you, we'll buy the weapons, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Huh, but people, people will still be like... Eh, but where did I give you the consent? It's my money, yeah. Yeah. If I want a road, let me choose my road provider. If I want a, a police force or whatever, let me choose. Yeah. Let me buy my own gun or let me choose my own defense provider. No. Why do you get the right to take my money and then say, oh, see, look, I'm giving you all this stuff. It's like if I order pizza at your house and yeah. uh, I was like, yeah, I ordered it for you, so now pay me. It's like <laughs> that. You know, you don't, you don't want yeah. it but just because I'm taking your money and giving you something, it doesn't legitimize that. Correct. Basically, yeah, right, so if if you think about it from this those building blocks, yeah. okay, then okay, then that might perceive be perceived to be a problem. So then this group might be like, okay, now fine, uh, since you guys have a problem, let's vote. So now you guys come and uh, you know like the neighborhood, let's say, uh, 30-40% of the neighborhood agrees. Mm-hmm. So let's go and vote for these people and let's give let's give them our money. And yeah. let's make sure they run some things on behalf of us, which is fair, right? In a voluntary society. Of course. Yeah. If I want to build a private township yeah, and right. I want yeah. to have some committee that's taking care of the roads and all, it's fine. I move into that township. Uh, the yeah. important part is that it should not be like uh, someone's property. Like people should have, a, say, fresh property and then build from scratch and do fundraising and then set up all those structures where it's all voluntary and based on contracts and everything. That's the right way to build a township or whatever. Right. So... If you think about it that way, let's say 30-40% of my neighborhood decided that we'll vote on these people and then we'll, mm-hmm. we'll uh, give them some of our money and then they can take care of some basics like uh, protection of the neighborhood, security and mm-hmm. uh, roads and all of that, private roads in our society, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that 30-40% is fine. But because of 30-40% people wanted that, can, yeah. can we go and rob from the rest of the neighborhood? Just mm-hmm. because we... So then just go back to the founding of a country. Now, let's say... Uh, Ambedkar was coming and Gandhi was coming up and um, uh, like Bhagat Singh was coming up and all these yeah. people wanted to kick the British people out. That's yeah. well and good. Fine. You kick them out. You kick out the structure. Yeah. But what automatically justifies that we should have a state after that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, as I said, that was kind of the limitation of the intellectual class back then because a lot of people hadn't figured out without a state, how will these things function? The right. state was thought to be absolutely necessary, but thankfully... Uh, I mean, the entire school of thought coming from Frederick Bastiat and then moving into the minarchist like Ludwig von Mises and then into the anarcho-capitalist school and the, uh, you know, libertarians and Austrian economists like Rothbard mm. and Hayek and all. Uh, not, not Hayek exactly, but Hans Hoppe, Walter Block, all these people right now, they exactly figured out, okay, without a state, the road market can function very well, the post office, the police, everything can function. But because we had that kind of mental roadblock, uh, even pe- well, ha- like kind of intended people like Gandhi and uh, Ambedkar and all these people, they right. thought that we'll uh, kick the British out, yeah. but we have to replace it with a constitution and with a state where like we have executive. Yeah, they always thought that we needed someone to govern society. Yeah. It's not like people, the whole idea of people governing themselves and uh, voluntary interaction and all that hadn't yet come into, I would say, the intellectual understanding. Even if you see Ambedkar and all, they yeah. had gone and studied in these like Oxford and all these places and uh, you know even some people went and studied in London School of Economics also. I think okay. even Ambedkar went to London School of Economics and if you study the history like London School of Economics was founded by Fabian Socialists. So 
I mean, where are these people getting the ideas from? Like even Gandhi studied abroad, and if you see, right. I mean, all these uh, thought leaders of the revolution, even if you look into the ideology of Bhagat Singh, all these people, they were socialists, right. nah? Right. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, if you see, uh, Gandhi was little bit, I would say, more rational because he at least had this idea of Swaraj. But yeah. if you see people like uh, Bhagat Singh and Bose and all yeah. these people, they were national socialists. Right, yeah. so they they didn't really value capitalism. Even if you see Bhagat Singh, like he called himself an anarchist, but yeah. he is an anarchist of the left variety. So a lot oh, of the intellectual yeah. thought also that was floating around back then. Even a lot of the self-proclaimed anarchists came from uh-huh. the left, came largely from the left, and they saw a problem in the state, but they right. also saw a problem in private capital. They also saw a problem with religion and all these things. Right. That's really not how uh, libertarians and all see anarchy today. That's a it's actually a hijacking of the word itself, because right. uh, the I mean the understanding of anarchy goes back ages, but the kind of socio-political movement from Tolstoy and all these people that came around anarchy in the 18th century, 19th century, and all they yeah. portrayed anarchy as this kind of leftist thing, uh, right. where they, uh, the ultimate goal of communism was to establish anarchy, where it was like a Classless, leaderless, hierarchical society where everyone is equal and there's no money and all this stuff, mm. right? Which is really not what liberty or freedom mean. They have this totally right. uh, misconstrued version of uh, liberty and freedom. Whereas from the perspective of uh, I mean, being freedom-minded and coming from the libertarian stance, liberty you just means like... to be left alone. It's a negative concept. Yeah. It means that you should be left alone. You should have your body and your property rights left alone, and no one should be able to initiate force against you. But what the leftists see liberty and all mm. like freedom as is the freedom that they want to steal from the people who are prosperous. Right. Right. So it's always about, even if that that's the exact thing that cuts right into the heart of why Indians don't understand freedom is because everything, everyone fucking cares about here is people are so poor that they just want reservation and they just want things. They want education yeah. and they want free stuff all the time. They want free education. They want free food. They want free yeah. this, free that. Yeah. But they don't understand that Free stuff is not free. If something is free, it's coming from the state. And if it's coming from the state, it's stolen. At a larger cost. The entire concept, the ideology of anarchy that uh, you keep talking about in your social channels, that is anarchy for freedom as well. Ideology that you talk about, is it it on the lines of a libertarian society? Of course it is. That's that's one of the reasons why I even uh, started my channel calling it Anarchy for Freedom because I wanted to help people understand what anarchy really means because I was right. kind of frustrated and tired of it being hijacked by leftists. Right. And uh, and the word itself is so tainted. Governments constantly throw it up to mean chaos and disorder and uh, absolute like uh, people smashing people's property and all this stuff. Whereas it's, it's not what the word means at all. So I uh, branded my channel that way in yeah. fact, knowing, knowing that uh, I will be misrepresented and uh, people, you know, might uh, think of me as something I'm not and I'm okay with that because I'm, I'm especially today, I'm running such a big platform, I have such a big audience, you can't really sit to care about what like everyone thinks about me doing. Yeah, that's awesome. But it, it becomes a natural phenomena once you're a content creator, once you become popular in circles and people misrepresent your work all the time. In fact, I haven't, I've barely seen anyone fairly represent my work or actually understand what I'm trying to say. Apart from yeah. a few smart smart people, and there are a couple of them who yeah. uh, I would say there. I mean, it's it's grown. Like earlier, it used to be a couple, but now there's a good sizable chunk of smart yeah. Indians that watch and follow what I'm saying. Yeah. So that's exactly why I chose the word also because I wanted to teach people as to what uh, the entire school of Austrian economics and libertarians and all these people uh, yeah. have foundationally and principally built from the intellectuals. If you see the entire political landscape, as I said, you have the socialists on one side, you have the, right, the capitalists on the extreme end, you, and then you have this whole uh, false notion of corporatism also, yeah. where, where, where it's a merger of state and corporate power, which turns into fascism. Yeah. And you have a national socialist, uh, you know, kind of version of history and events, which is where Hitler came from. Yeah. And so all these are uh, forms of totalitarianism and the collectivism and uh, you know people perceive that to be a divide between uh, fascism and socialism and all these things but it's not it's all like uh, different heads coming out of that one hydra of collectivism and yeah. right so that's the actual political spectrum it's all these collectivist ideologies like socialism fascism communism uh, even uh, you can say like republics and democracies along on one side mm-hmm. and uh, absolute respect for individual rights and no government and uh, like you know uh, upholding 
bodily autonomy and property rights down every on every scale right we just want like on the voluntary end of the other spectrum right uh, other side of the spectrum i mean we want everything to be voluntary we want no force the state right. is never justified because uh, no we believe that i mean we don't just believe it's it, it's uh, inherent in creation but since everyone is equal under the universe or under god or under nature what do we want to call it right since we all stand as equals no one has the right to forcibly dominate another human being or a group of other human beings absolutely right whether it's one king or whether it's that power is dispersed in a few people or whether it's a representative democracy or whatever it is a right. few people don't have the right to rule over others without consent if i i'm open to the idea of voluntary slavery right if i want to right. give my body up and say okay i give you the right to do whatever the hell you want to me that's fine mm-hmm. the person is stupid for doing that but he has a right to do that it's his body he can give his consent away to another person right but on this the other side of the spectrum if you give your body and we give you this to your body exactly they they take yeah. it by force right that's why yeah. i said this there's a lot of see the state has always wanted intellectuals who will prop up their legitimacy because right. the only difference between a gang and a state is legitimacy right if you just see what is what is the state it's a group of people that's ruling over us and we are financing it and that since they are funded by these uh, oligarchs and billionaires and all that right i mean who who are they going to listen to are they going to listen to us like why why do they have to listen to us who are we are we funding right. them are we giving them the political budgets are we giving them any money no we are no we know it's the oligarchs who are doing that so why do we do ourselves into thinking that once we put these people into power they listen to us right and yeah. then also threat there was a threat for them like they'll come and we'll uh, remove them after 4 years but with the whole electronic voting machines and rigging and all this become even more difficult so we kind of caught yeah. in this giant mess where even people smart people who initially thought that we are this representative democracy and constitutionalist republic or whatever they are now i was very very deep rooted into you know believing that democracy is the way forward and how democracy is so good it's in, it have everybody has equal rights blah 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 but um when you look at it from a top angle and uh, you know you're upgrading yourself to become an eagle and <laughs> you look at it from a top angle and then there there are so many things every single where every part of your life every single moment of your life uh, comprises of a kind of a control a kind of a induced fear very well marketed very well portrayed ideology set into your mind into your mindset and to break free from it to break free from it is always a challenge isn't it let's find out more and ways to help you awaken coming next with johan tingra part 2 these are the breaks these are the times level number 9 look up in the sky tennis on the way tennis on the way tennis on the way motherfucker i got winners